everyone. I'm Brittany, the content and research producer. And I'm Ellie, the media and content producer at Magnify. And welcome to the Magnify podcast, where we co-host aspirational conversations to help you thrive and work through faith. This podcast is a place where we explore all the topics and questions which we all grapple with in our careers in faith, from imposter syndrome, identity, perfectionism, acting in courage, boundaries, really the list could go on. We dig in and get frank about all things work using faith as a backdrop. And through these conversations with dynamic individuals, we hope you'll leave informed, intrigued, and inspired in your faith and work life. But then at the end of the day, I think that that's like, one of the main goals in life. I think they want people to discover that, that, hey, it's not about me. It's about these people within my sphere of influence and, and, and leveraging, you know, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things of my life in order to, in order to, to pass on lessons and, and be open and share so that that person can get over that hurdle. Today, um, our topic of conversation is persevering through times of pressure. So Brittany, to kick things off, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, does the pressure of deadlines ever keep you up at night? Or do you ever feel like your hours spent working heavily outweigh the hours you spend for free time? Um, and this one's a big one for me personally, but do you ever worry about taking time away from your phone in case you're needed for something urgent? So short answer to all of those, yes. Um, particularly the deadlines, because I am a person that the minute you give me a deadline, I think, am I gonna meet this? <laughs> and so I do find myself uh, up at night at times. Um, and the phone one lately has been one that I've had to watch for myself because I've never, I don't know, I've never considered my person as like, is glued to their phone, but you don't wanna be the person who's like kind of slowing everything, slowing it up. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree with you on the phone one. Um, and every time I hear a notification, my anxiety just goes straight up. And I'm just like, I need to look quickly. Like, I need to make sure it's not work. And then I can just relax off. And that's something that I put on myself. Like you said, those expectations and pressure is something I put on myself. But that makes persevering through times of pressure hard at times, especially when it seeps into our everyday lives. So I guess the question we're asking today is, how do we work through it to come out the other side and also use it for good? Yes, and today's guest knows a thing or two about pressure. After falling into crime, Remy Adeleke had a wake-up call when his life was threatened, which led him to becoming a Navy SEAL. Now an actor and filmmaker, Remy has gone through times of intense pressure in many forms. In this episode, Remy opens up about the times of high-intensity pressure during his career. He talks to the reality that some pressure is good for us and his tips on getting through periods of high stress at work. It was an incredibly interesting conversation, so let's listen in. So welcome to the Magnify Podcast, Remy. We're so excited to chat to you. Um, and we always love starting with an opening question, which we all answer just to get to know each other a little bit better. So the first question is, if you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Like, can it be like realistic or unrealistic? <laughs> it can be, it can be unrealistic. We're dreaming here. Fly. fly. Oh. <laughs> Like fly for real, or or at least come up with some type of system where you can fly without some crazy jetpack. Yeah, it would make your trips a lot easier, I can imagine. Yeah, exactly. A lot colder. Yeah. <laughs> a lot easier. That's true. What about you, Brittany? I feel like honestly, I would want to. I'd want to sew. <laughs> like I would want to be like a fashion designer. I used to want to when I was little, and then I just didn't have necessarily the patience for sewing. I took a couple of classes and I didn't stick with it, but I still think that it would be really cool to be able to, you know, just make your own clothes. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> for sure. 
mine's kind mm-hmm. of on yeah mine's kind of on the same thread I was thinking either cooking or baking because I feel like there's such yeah. a science to both of those things and you just sort of have to practice to know it but I never practice enough so I feel like that would be a good one those are great so um, to get to know you a bit better we do have a couple of quick fire questions for you so the first one is if you could have a dinner party with three guests from any era who would they be and why three guests from any era Ooh, well, Jesus, for sure. Well, Martin Luther King Jr., because that was, you know, he, he was uh, recently here. Uh, well, not recently, but in, from, from closer to our time frame than Jesus. <laughs> um, Steve Jobs, probably. Because I love business, I love how creative, and, you know, I love to um, just to get inside of his mind and, and understand how he came up with concepts and ideas and, and understand. Uh, uh, better understand why he pushed people the way he did. Uh, was there behind his madness? So I would say Steve Jobs. And what's your favorite thing about your career? I get to, uh, I'm self-employed. That's, you know, what I, what I love about my career. Well, two things. One, I'm, I'm self-employed. Three things, because I'm self-employed, my, I have so uh, much flexibility within my two companies. I own two companies. I own an entertainment company and I own a consulting company. And, you know, I just have freedom to move to, um, you know, one week I could be like this week, earlier this week. And last week I was writing a movie for a production company. Um, Yesterday I was getting ready to act in a movie. (laughs) I was doing costume fitting and other stuff for a Hollywood movie that I'm going to be working on next week. You know, and now I'm speaking with you, but I have speaking engagements next month. So I love the the idea of being self-employed, being flexible, being able to essentially write my own checks. So with that, how do you switch off and relax? Uh, how do I switch off and relax? Ooh, I, my wife would say I don't relax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I would say with my with with my kids, that's when I what you know when I'm able to relax most. Mainly on the weekends when we go bike riding together, or you know we're just watching movies together. My kids love watching movies with me, and and so just I would say my kids help me to relax. Amazing, that's so lovely. Um, and one question we always love to ask our guests is: um, Growing up, what was your childhood like, and what would you say are the values which you learned then, which have shaped you into the man that you are today? Yeah, so um, a great question. I uh, grew up in the Bronx, and uh, grew up in a rough neighborhood. And, uh, you know, my mother, she struggled um, to provide for my brother and I. Um, and, you know, there was crime. Eventually I found my, my, my way into crime, selling drugs and um, doing other illegal activities. Um, however, you know, one thing that, the big thing that I learned from my mother was this idea of, um, of, of giving it everything, like not depending on other people and, and, and putting in the work and persevering. Right. So I know I said three things, but that to me, like all those things are interconnected. And, you know, to, you know, my father, when my father died when I was five, she went from rich to poor. And um, and, you know, she could easily give it up and quit. But like I said, she worked multiple jobs. She homeschooled my brother and I while, on top of us going to public school because the public education system was bad. And so, you know, second nature uh, um, perseverance became second nature to me. And so that's the big thing that I've carried with me to this day is this idea of picking myself up, 
um, after I get knocked down. And I think that's why I've been able to get to where I'm at today. Could you go a bit more into your story? Because I just think when I was reading it, I was just like the amount of things that you've been through already. Um, so yeah, if you could just delve into a little bit more into sort of where, where you grew up and where you are now and the, the bits in between. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, uh, I was actually born in Western Africa, Nigeria specifically, and um, I was born into a very wealthy family. My father was a well-known Nigerian engineer, businessman. He had multiple businesses. Um, he was an art collector. I mean, he was like the jack of all trades. I think that's where I kind of get it from, this idea of doing multiple things, because my dad, that's just what he did. Um, however, fast forward, um, the Nigerian government was very corrupt at the time, and still there's a lot of corruption within the government. And so they, um, they essentially stripped my father of absolutely everything. He died like two weeks later in the midst of fighting the Nigerian government. And so we went from rich to poor, my mother being an American. And so she permanently relocated us back to New York City. I grew up in the Bronx, um, single mother home, beginning to, you know, get involved in illegal activity. Started out stealing from my mother and that progressed to, you know, stealing from stores, that progressed to stealing from jobs, that progressed to selling drugs, that progressed to, you know, running high level scams. And by the time I was, I was 19, I had to build this massive illegal enterprise while bringing thousands of dollars a week, like just tons of illegal money. And I was using that money to finance a record company that I had started. Long story short, I got involved in a deal with a drug dealer with that. Um, um, he threatened my life. I made him his money back within a day. And that was my wake up call. That's when I decided, you know, I, I need to get out of this. Um, the, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but if I continue down this path, I'm end up dead or in prison. There were people going to federal prison for the stuff that I was doing. I, uh, I was, I was, you know, lying in bed and I heard this voice speak to me and that, you know, at that time I thought it was my subconscious, but in retrospect, I truly believe it was the voice of God. And that voice said to me, you need to get out of here and you need to join the military. And, you know, that was, the military was totally contrary to who I was. I hated authority. I hated government. I hated the police. I just, I hated everything that had to do with, with the uniform. And, um, and, but as I looked around my, my room and, and my, my surroundings, I came to the realization that, you know, what else am I going to do? I tried everything else. I went to the Navy recruiter's office. First, I went to the Marine recruiter's office, sat there for 15 minutes. Nobody showed up. So after 15 minutes, I left the Marine Corps recruiter's office and I went to the Navy recruiter's office and um, there was a Navy recruiter there. And then she did a background check on me to make sure I didn't have a criminal record. And when she ran that background um, test, she found out that I had, I had uh, two warrants out for my arrest. I had a warrant in New York and a warrant in New Jersey. And so I got up and got ready to leave the office. And she asked me, where are you going? I said, I'm getting out of here. And she said, uh, well, you know, if there's nothing out there for you in the streets, why don't you come back tomorrow? So anyway, I came back the next day and she took me to both judges, advocated on my behalf. Um, both judges, you, you know, decided, hey, if this guy's going to join the military um, and he's serious about turning his life around, we'll expunge his record. And that's how, I, that's how I got into the Navy. I did a year there, then went to SEAL training. Um, I was a SEAL trainer for a year, got kicked out, went back to Camp Pendleton where I served as a Marine medic. Uh, I, I was a Navy medic to the Marines. And then I went back to SEAL training, made it through. And then I, you know, I, I, I stationed here in San Diego, Coronado, and uh, deployed multiple times. Um, um, and after, you know, uh, in 2016, that's when I decided, hey, I want to, you know, I had two kids at this time. I had met my wife in 2011. We got married that same year. 
And then, um, and then we had our, our first son in 2014, and then our second son in 2016. And then I decided, you know, I can't do this job anymore because I was just going so much as a seal. And I wanted, you know, having my dad die at five, I just felt the importance to be home with my kids. So that's when I decided to get out of the military. Because our topic for today is um, persevering through times of pressure. Um, you've definitely given your story, you've definitely experienced lots of moments of pressure. What was, for your training for the Navy specifically, what was it like going from being kind of a young adult, not having been um, in that exact training to going through your SEALs training? I had to do a good job. I had to do a good job because my recruiter had put her name on the line. And, uh, you know, she snuck me military and I knew if I, you know, highlighted myself a bad character, then you know, that could potentially fall back on her and get her in trouble. So boot camp for me was really easy. And it, as it relates to SEAL training, um, I, 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 you know, in order to get into SEAL training, there's a number of qualifications that you need to have. I, I was not physically fit <laughs> at all. Uh, I could barely do push-ups, and I couldn't swim and I didn't have the academic scores. And so even before getting into SEAL training, I was totally unqualified. I know everybody was looking at me like, dude, you can't swim, you don't have the academic scores, and absolutely no way you're going to make it through SEAL training. And I just used that to fuel me. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a car, so I would run three miles uphill to a pool, and I would jump in the shallow end, and I would just try and figure it out. And, and then I would run three miles back home. And so I, I would set these incremental goals in all these different areas from swimming to running to, 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 to um, physical exercise to, um, uh, to the ASVAB academic test. And as I would meet these incremental goals, it would boost my confidence. And, and, and then I, would, I just felt more motivated to keep achieving these other incremental goals. And, and so by the time I got into SEAL training, um, I had kind of mastered this this concept of goal setting and uh, and positive self talk as well. And you know, seal training was horrible. I mean, it was it was horrible. The first uh, the first time I went to Hell Week and the Hell Week Hell Week is a week where they keep you up for six days straight. Starts on Sunday night and it ends on Friday. You get two hours of sleep on Wednesday and two hours of sleep on Thursday, and they it's torture. They just torture you. And um, I almost died uh, during my first hell week. I, was, I ended up in the ICU with pneumonia, psych, rhabdo, and, um, uh, and psychic swim-induced pulmonary edema. You know, after I, got, after I recovered, I went back into training and started day one all over again. But I had that confidence to start day one all over again because I went through the first three weeks of training already and I had made it through hell week. Right? So I had already kind of met those goals. So now it was easy. It was it was an easy, but it was easier to go through it. Especially when you're dealing with pressure, it's like there there's a lot of things outside of our control that we can't we don't know what's coming. Uh, what you talked about, like running the three miles to the pool, like do what is in your um, abilities, which is I think that's so helpful. It's so practical. You know, well, I think you know, I think hard work plus consistency will equal success. Like, uh, it, it doesn't mean that it's gonna come instantaneously. That's why this part of the equation is consistency. <laughs> <laughs> I do wanna pick up on one other thing that you mentioned um, that, you, that you said got you through was positive self-talk. And I think um, sometimes when we're facing situations that are um, full of pressure, like we instantly, our mind kind of spirals to like worst case scenario. Um, yeah. And what are you, how do you ensure that um, the pressure doesn't lead you to think that like your goals are unattainable, that you can never reach them because it 
I don't know, at times like the pressure can feel overwhelming. I would say goal setting, or that's one part to it, is setting those incremental goals so that that way you're not overwhelmed by the pressure of achieving this massive goal. So that's one. The second thing I would say is, one, you have to come to terms with the idea that, that you may fail. You just, I mean, that you may fail. There is a possibility. I mean, and that's, that goes with anything in life. You gotta come to terms with that. And you have to come to terms with the fact that, you know what? If I fail, I will hold, be able to hold my head up high because I know that I put in the work, right? I know that I did absolutely everything. That's one way to relieve pressure is to, is to, is to one, um, it's twofold. Recognize that you may fail, but, but also put in the work, go above and beyond. So in the case that you fail, you're not depressed and you're not like, oh, well, you're not, you know, second guessing or you're not, you know, there's no regrets, right? Um, the second answer I would say is, and one way to relieve the pressure as it relates to attaining the goal is you have to know your, your deep rooted emotional reason why. Uh, you know, because if you don't have a deep rooted emotional reason as to why you want to do something, when pressure comes, you're going to crack. You know, if you have a superficial reason why you want to do something, when pressure comes, you're going to crack. So when the winds and the waves and the storms of life come, you know, you're so anchored in that deep rooted emotional reason why that, yeah, you're going to get knocked down. Yeah, the pressure's going to be on you, but you're going to be able to keep pushing towards that goal. If you have like a deep rooted emotional reason why, like my deep rooted emotional reason why was I had nothing left. I failed it so much in life and I don't want to fail again. I want to make it. That was my deep rooted emotional reason why. So when I was going through and I was getting, I was failing swims or I was, you know, had, I was facing hypothermia when my core temperature dropped down to 88.7 or I was on these long runs or my, I broke my ankle. All these things that were happening to me, I was still pushing forward because I was anchored in my emotional reason why. Yeah, I um, I was actually watching a video recently and it was talking about like sort of how to make your goal stick. And they were saying the same thing of that. So many people have their what and their how, but so few people have their why. And they were saying that why always has to come back to you. It can't be to do with somebody else. It always, always has to come back to you. We're always looking for somebody to say like, oh, if they've made it through, you know, because I think sometimes like you get in your own head of like, I don't know if I can come you know, come out of this or come back from this. And it's so helpful and inspiring to actually hear somebody's real stories, like the real details of like, no, I like, I'm genuinely like made it through. I'm not just saying it, like I've made it through all the ways. A hundred percent. And at the end of the day, I think that's one of the main purposes of life is, is, you know, go through the things that we go through um, and not for us. Um, we go through a lot of the things we go through for others um and and you know you know it's it's like because there's certain people that that i will be that you can you can speak into their life and encourage them and and and, and minister to them and guide them in a, in ways that i would never be able to do so because of your experiences because of the you know both of you right like it's people that you can connect with and help because of your stories your background your things that you've experienced that I would never be able to like speak to, right? But that's your, those, those, are, those people are your assignments, right? In my, right? and it's the same thing with me. And so at the end of the day, I think that that's like 
one of the main goals in life. I think that once people discover that, that, hey, it's not about me, it's about these people within my sphere of influence and, and, and leveraging, you know, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things of my life in order to, in order to, to pass on lessons and, and be open and share so that that person can get over that hurdle. Um, and we've touched upon a bit about how pressure can sometimes be a bad thing and that if we don't really have our why, our emotional why, it can push us to breaking point. But equally, when we do have that why and we sort of know what it's all about, it can be a really good thing and it can be, bring clarity um, and it can just bring focus to the task at hand as well. Um, so can you speak a bit about a time when the pressure has been good for you, maybe in more recent times as well, like that since you've trans- transitioned into being um, a film writer and being an actor as well? There's a project I'm, I'm working on right now. It's a big film and um, uh, one, of, one of three films that I'm working on. And... Uh, and I wrote it a certain, I, I wrote it free, essentially. And when I, say, when, I say, when I say I wrote it free, I don't mean financially. I mean, I wrote it, the first time I wrote the project was I wrote it um, uh, without guidance, in a sense, without outside voices saying, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to start it, you know, inciting us and you said, like, we got all these voices. And so I was able to write it free. And I was able to be creative in a sense that, um, I was able to tell a story exactly the way I wanted to tell a story. And then um, when I started partnering with other, other uh, studios, production companies, you know, they came in, everybody had different ideas as to how to tell a story. And so I took their, their, their ideas and the hardest thing is sitting at the computer when you have and, 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 and taking other ideas and trying to merge them, trying to get them to work within your idea, or trying, you know, it's just really, really challenging. And so it was challenging for me. That was really, really hard for me, but I knew why I was telling this story, um, this particular story, and I knew that the, the people I work with had my best interest, and, um, and, and they, have the, they have not just my best interest, but the story's best interest. And um, that's what really helped me to get through. But it, it was challenging, and it's still challenging. It's still really, really, really challenging to, because uh, we're not done yet, to get this project completed, you know? And it's challenging because it's, it's taking a lot of mental muscle. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and just going off of that as well, like like you said there, you're at a place with this script where you've got to merge these two ideas together and you're sitting there knowing where you need to go. And there's a lot of pressure in that space between. Um, so how do you sort of navigate that to make sure the pressure fuels you and doesn't sort of dishearten you to see where you need to get to? The pressure I feel from having to get it right, it just makes me, it makes me, it, it shows me how far I've come in a sense. Right? Because it, 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 it's, it's, it's like I'm at this level where I'm being challenged um, in a way that I haven't been challenged before. And it's just like, yes. And so what I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to find something that even if I, was a, even if I wasn't a SEAL, I could still do. Right? And so that's when I got more into writing. Right? And so, so writing and, and, and teaching myself how to write and teaching myself how to, you know, about story or and that became very, very challenging, 
right? It became very, very challenging. That pressure was, was, was very intense, but I began to, I began to grow in that, on those areas, right? And I began to say, wow, like, I began to look at things that I wrote. For example, I, I would look at things that I wrote in 2017 and be like, wow, like, I can't believe I wrote that. That's garbage writing, right? And look at 2018, this is better now than 2019, looking at 2018, that's garbage writing, like, grow right there. But the pressure of, uh, you know, of learning something new and doing something different helped me to grow. Right, so now you get to this level where you're working with a big production company, and they're giving you notes, and that's this it's causing pressure, right? It's causing pressure, it's pushing against you, but it's out so outside of the box of what you're, you're, you're what you would normally do or have been doing that it's pushing you higher, it's causing you to grow, right? So, so that's how I look at it. You know, when the pressure comes, I, I, I you know. How do I use it? I, I, I recognize that it's it's good because it's causing me to grow. It's almost like a tree, right? A tree has branches, you know, you know, or plants. I have these plants right outside my house, and and I have these these uh, birds of par paradise flowers. And I remember <laughs> this is a great example. Uh, last last year in the spring of last year, like these birds of paradise, like this particular plant, like right like it's right in front of my window, like it. it it was just these beautiful birds of paradise flowers that were just growing like all over the place. And I just loved it. It sounds like I would just take a break and stare out my window. Gardeners, they come every week and the gardeners like, they came and they just started pulling out all of the birds of prey, like ripping them these beautiful flowers. Like this is back in like spring. And I, and I went, I ran outside, I ran to my wife and I said, hey babe, did you tell them to take the bird? She was like, no, she said, what are they doing? I said, they're, they're taking the birds of paradise out? They're getting rid of I was like, yeah. She was like, they're probably going to sell them. I said, no, it doesn't look like they're going to sell them. Stuffing them in a the garbage bag. She's like, they're putting them in a the garbage bag? I said, yeah, she went out there. She flipped out. And the guy said to her, he's like, yeah. He said, we're doing this because it's going to make, the, it's going to, by, by cutting, like, we're, we're making space, we're making room, and, and more birds of paradise flowers are gonna grow, and they're gonna grow even more beautifully. Now, if you look outside my window now, like all around my house, it's like all these birds of paradise flowers, like in front of my house, are so beautiful. Like, like literally, there's more than I could count right now. And, but that happened because of the pressure or, you know, the release of pressure, like, you know, that pain, that pressure, right? Um, and so that's how I look at certain things. Like when I'm challenged, it's causing me to grow. That was a beautiful analogy. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's like a reframing your mind almost. Yeah. Of how you see it. And I think finally, that actually does, um, actually makes me think a lot about faith. Because um, yeah. that's a, in, in, a, in a way that's uh, what kind of faith teaches us of um, perspective in some ways. And so curious, uh, what role has faith kind of played for you in um, handling pressure? It's everything. I mean, uh, for me, I would probably be dead right now for <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you know, just because like, and it's so crazy, like people have this expectation of, oh, because you're a SEAL and you have this and you have that and you're writing in Hollywood, like you don't need God. It's like, well, dude, like I need God even more. <laughs> like, it's, it's like I need I need Jesus even more because I lose my mind, um, you know, uh, without him. And like 
God has done so much in my life and he's got me like here. He's miracles. You know, my, <laughs> me and my wife were talking last night because I'm in this movie with, I can't mention that there's massive actors if I mention them, you both would know them in an instant. And uh, I had to go up to LA and I had to do a costume fitting yesterday. And the costume designer, she told me, she said, you know, I was talking to the direct, massive director, I can't mention his name. She's like, I was talking to the director a couple of couple weeks ago and we were talking about how, you know, who was going to play this particular role. And he's, in there, and he's like, man, yeah, who's going to play this role? Who's gonna and then she said, he just lit up and said, oh, I know who's going to play this role. Remy, 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 Remy's going to play this role. And I'm telling my wife the story that the, that the, that the costume designer told me, uh, and, and my wife is just like, she's like, Remy, like, how does this stuff happen to you? <laughs> and then she says, you know, she's like, no, I know, it's God. I was like, yeah, it's God. You know what I mean? Like, God lines us up, and there's so many other things in my life when you go through my past, my story, there's no coincidence. I mean, it's, you know, even my recruiter, like, literally, for her to be in that office, for the other recruiter not being in a Marine Corps office, and for me to leave and go to another office where there's a recruiter there, and that recruiter takes a chance on me and sticks me into the Navy, that's all God's divine fingerprint. And there's so many stories like that in my life where it's just like one second earlier, one second later, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. You know what I mean? Like one person in my life at a particular time, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Like that's my whole life. And so, so like that's all God, right? So that's parting the sea. That's the seven plagues in Egypt. That's, you know, all of these different things is the fingerprint of And so for me now, I just have to always come back and say, man, God, you're real. And and there's, there's parts of life where all of life, you know, we have to do our part. You know, going back to, to what I said earlier about putting the work and make sure that like, you be undeniable, make it hard for somebody to say no. Like you gotta, we gotta all do the work but at the same time, we got to trust that, you know what? God's going to do the work as well. And doing the work may mean closing a door. Right? May mean closing a door. It may mean opening a door. There's so many doors that close in my face. When I look back on it, I'm glad. Like at the time, I was like, man, why did that door close in my face? Why did that happen? You know, blah, 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 blah. Like I'm upset. And then two years pass, and I look back, and I hear about, a particular person that was connected, I'm like, oh my gosh. So glad that door closed. Like, I'm so glad that it happened the way I wanted it to happen, you know? And I can say the same thing about relationships, you know what I mean? Like, there was so many relationships I was in the past, but I was just like, I wanted to work out, I wanted to work out, I wanted to work out. And I was like, no, I'm closing that door because that person is not right for you. And now I'm, I'm, I'm in a better place, you know, I'm blessed with my wife family and four, four beautiful kids, you know? And so I say all that to say, you know, it all goes back to just trusting the reality of God's presence in my life. And that he's all around me at all times. And you and all of us at all times, all around us, he's guiding us, he's protecting us. And he has the best for us, you know? So, yeah. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for your time today, Remy. Um, I know that we've really had a great conversation. Thank you for your time as well. It's a blessing being here. So here are our top three takeaways from our conversation with Remy. Number one, leverage the ugly things in our lives to create lessons for others. 
yeah i think this was such an important one um because what's the word what's the phrase where it's like it's only a failure if you didn't learn something from it um and i think those lessons that are taught to you you can share with others so it can prevent them from making the same mistakes um and even if they do they then know the lessons that they can learn from making that same mistake Absolutely. I'd agree. I think that was something that I definitely took away from his story of honestly just the the generosity in some ways of being able to share everything that you've gone through with other people in order to be able to, in a sense, be like a guiding light for somebody who might be, you know, maybe they haven't gotten through the other side of it just yet. Um, and to be able to, to hear from someone who has gone through intense pieces of their lives to be able to say, hey, it's rough right now. Um, and yet, here I am on the other side. I can I can speak to the fact that you will be able to get through. Yeah, definitely. And I think one thing really powerful from that he said was that everyone has different lessons that they can show and teach. And I think that's so powerful. It's like your story is so different to anyone else's that you have such, you know, I suppose such influence in those challenges that you have gone through um, to be able to share those with other people. The second point that we really enjoyed was finding your emotional why. Um, and I thought this was such a good one and I know since I sat down and like tried to really just dig deeper into what drives me in my work and why I want to do the work that I do but during those times of intense pressure it is that why that sees you through when you just sort of sit down and breathe and you just remind yourself okay this is why I'm doing it this is why this time of horrible pressure and stress is worth it. It's interesting because I feel like that's actually been something that recurs a lot in both our podcast conversations, but also conversations that we have for the magazine as well of the thing that keeps you focused and keeps you going. It always, it isn't always the passion that we have for something. A lot of times it is being able to connect to a piece really bigger than ourselves. And our final point is intense pressure allows us to grow. Yeah, I loved this one. Um, I would not be like the person, the person that I am today without those times of pressure. Um, and although it's like horrific when you're going through it and you just feel like all you want to do is like ignore the world and just shut off and close your bedroom door and turn the lights out. If you just like, if you can find it in you to persevere through that, it's going to be so worth it in the end. It's definitely a, a perspective shift in some ways because we can, as you mentioned, like when you're when you're in it, when you're in the midst of it, you're definitely not thinking about this is growing me. Um, but the minute that we get a little bit of distance on it, we actually are able to see that, oh, okay, there are certain skills and traits within me that might not have developed without that situation in some ways, without that pressure. You know, and it's kind of that cliche thing of like, diamonds are actually made in pressure. That is um, a phrase we use often. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think that links to here, you know, like a main theme of the conversation as well, that pressure, as much as it can be seen as a negative thing, that perspective shift allows it to be a positive thing a lot of the time. And obviously you need to understand where, when it's immense amounts of pressure, it can be unhealthy, but knowing when actually this is good for you, this is gonna help me grow, this is gonna help me achieve where I wanna be. That's when I think you can really just find the motivation to push through.
Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you know anyone who might love this episode too, go ahead and share it with them. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love to hear your thoughts and it really helps us out. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to our email list, which you can find on the Magnify website, where you'll get connected and informed with even more inspiring content. And also our inbox is always open. So if you have a topic you want us to chat about, or if you have something that you just want to add to our conversations, we can email us at elliatmagnifycollective.com. Thank you.